for uh, chasing wins this year. This is Chasing Wins. And speaking of that, right, the direction of the team, um, ha- you know, obviously we, we hired Dunleavy, but there have been some tidbits and nuggets of information that have come out the last week about what the Warriors are doing from an activity standpoint, what they have been searching and prodding for in the, in the you know, um, marketplace, in the space of, you know, gauging and, and assessing value. Uh, they they uh, dangled Kaminga in number 19 to see what, what that could get them from a top 10 pick standpoint around the league, trying to see maybe if they can get higher up in the draft, which in my mind is to ultimately get a, a bigger asset, right? Because you saw with uh, GP2, right? They essentially, that wasn't a linear trade. That was, there was a buffer involved trading Wiseman to Detroit. Uh, Sadiq Bay, right, going to Atlanta from Detroit. Five second rounders going to the Warriors from Atlanta. And then ultimately those second rounders going to Portland for GP2, who goes to the Warriors. So that kind of, you know, manipulation and creativity um, is maybe on display with the Kaminga news. Because you're you're hearing these things about, um, you know, dangling Kaminga number nineteen, trying to see if they can move up in the draft. I'd assume for a an even better improved asset to entice uh, a team, um, you know, to to accept a, a package deal for for a blockbuster move is what I'd assume. And then we also heard yesterday Jonathan Gavoni, who actually broke the previous news. Draft Express works for ESPN. Basically saying that the Warriors are scouring the market. The, they're they're being aggressive. They've been aggressive. Kaminga's name has been floated out there. And their direction has been pretty clear, which is they're looking for older vets who can contribute in the now, guys who can pass, cut, as well as defend off the ball. Th- those were his words. Um, and they're looking to move away from the, the younger, the youth movement that they have in place. They're looking to win and contend next season and beyond. And it seems that the new direction of the team, as I suspected, by the way, because of Slater's smokescreen article that came out a few weeks ago about running it back, which people seem to, you know, eat up. Uh, and then there's some other news that that has been floated around, but none of which I bought because ultimately the first news that broke as soon as we got eliminated was Kaminga and Jordan Poole's name, names being uh, the ones floated from a trade and improvement standpoint. And then you talk about throughout the season, the, the common denominators in terms of the friction that may be in, in um, within the locker room stemming from them, just opportunity playing time and, and, and things of that nature. And to, to no fault of their own, because they're young, they're young players that are looking for extensions that are looking for money and they deserve playing time to, to develop and get better. And Steve refused to play them. And on top of that, uh, just the last note, Steph giving a speech pre-game seven against the Kings, which it was noted intentionally and specifically that it was directed towards two young players, Kaminga and Jordan Poole. Uh, that pre-game speech saying, don't get on the bus if you're not ready to compete and if you're not for with this, you know, for winning on this team. Uh, just, a, you know, a lot of information, a lot of um you know, clues throughout the season, but now you're starting to get harder, uh, you know, more definite, um, you know, direction and, and information leading to that uh, pre-draft. So what are your thoughts on that overall? 
so that's a lot. <laughs> um, I would say, well, let's lump in this Dunleavy situation and what they need to do kind of moving forward, which is guys like Kuminga, Jordan Poole, like moves have to be made. Guys have to be moved off the roster. And I guess, you know, that that's now Dunleavy's job, doing something with the pick, uh, drafting somebody or trading it. You know, that's all on him now, right? So I guess kind of let's take a look at some of the things that Dunleavy, as the GM of the Warriors, uh, you know, has on his plate. For me personally, I still think Steve Kerr is an issue. Uh, they need to do something about that. I don't know if they're going to lose Kenny Atkinson to another coaching position or not, but I think he needs to be replaced either way. They've already uh, replaced the the development coach, right? Um, and I think Atkinson may may go somewhere. I, that's been uh, rumored for a while, so we'll see what happens with that. But if you're not, my preference is that they move on from Steve. You know, they need a, a breath of fresh air, a new voice, somebody who can impact a guy like Draymond in a different way, maybe um, somebody who can develop all the talents on the team and try to get, you know, try to maximize everybody and not sabotage the team one way or another for personal reasons. I just think those are fundamentally, it's not right to do things like that as the coach. You always have to do what's best for the team not put yourself and your ideologies and your thoughts above what is actually best for the team. Like not playing Kuminga. I, I understood you, you of all people should know kind of how I feel about Kuminga. Um, I had said all along that he like, we're hoping that he will be ready, but I had my fears that he may not be ready because the things that he's not good at, they don't just, those things don't just go away. Um, they don't just suddenly, get developed within a year or two even, right? Sometimes you what you don't have coming into the league takes, you know, at least half of your career, if not all of your career, to try to develop. Um, that's what it is. You come into the league for a reason because you have certain attributes. Um, and then whatever attributes you don't come into the league with, typically what ends up happening is that those are just not your strengths. You know, it's kind of like J.J. Redick trying to develop a handle, coming into the league as a shooter, but doesn't have a handle, you know, that doesn't just come because you work on it for a year or two. You know what I'm saying? So Kerr doesn't have the ability to kind of um, make the adjustments as necessary. I agree with him that the youth movement is no good. And if you want to try to win championships, having a bunch of 20 year olds is not the answer. I agree with him on that. Having said that, it's still better. It's still better to play Kubinga than playing four guard lineups where you are defense severely compromised from a defensive standpoint. Um, if you have to deal with some inconsistencies with him rebounding and stuff like that, um, you know you deal with that. That's still better than fundamentally losing out because you're just too small. Right? That that's a that's a bigger deal that you have to make an adjustment to. And Kerr refused to do that in the name of I don't want to play the kid. Right, because he made a mistake in one play against the Kings, and now you're just not gonna play him at all. I, I because you gave you gave him a lot of minutes and you played him a lot to prepare him for the playoffs, and you know you, you have to kind of 
you know, go through the bumps of that, even if there are some mistakes, even if it is the playoffs. In normal situations, I wouldn't accept. I would If he's not doing fundamental things, I, I'm okay with sending him. But when you're in a situation where, like, Moody is your power forward or, like, GP2 is your power forward, you're playing too small, right? You have no choice. So uh, Kerr is not able to or willing to make certain adjustments that are still best for the team at the end of the day. And so I, you know, I'm, I have concerns that that's not going to change, you know, as long as he's around, but if they're not willing to move Kerr, if they're not willing to move on, I understand it's a difficult thing to do. Uh, then they need to hire that elite assistant, that Mike Brown replacement now. Right. Cause mm -hmm. they've had him for how long they've had him since 2017. Right. And so that's after the 2016 gaffe where Kerr blew a 3-1 three, three lead, right? Uh, where he made very poor decisions, uh, you know, like playing easily, playing Veraja. We all know what the deal is with 2016, right? Those mistakes didn't really happen once Mike Brown came on board. They played more pick and rolls in the playoffs, That right? We all knew coming into this season that yeah. that's that with Warriors bread and butter. That when it comes to playoff time, they're going to ditch all the bullshit and do what's right and do what's best. And, and that's always pick and roll with Draymond playing center, right? And Mike Brown was not on the team this year. And that did not consistently happen in the playoffs the way it did last year, right? Last year, what happened in the first round? First thing, they, they played pick and roll against Jokic. And they had yep. massive success, right? The, not just any pick and roll, but high pick and roll against the center, all right? And that concept seems seemed to have gone away, you know, uh, from the Warriors without Mike Brown. I don't know if you noticed that, but to me, some of the things that were going on in the playoff scheme wise was pretty shocking because we didn't see that coming. We all thought that, hey, Steve Kerr gets serious when it when the playoffs come around and he's yeah. going to play, you know, maximize Steph Curry uh, possessions. And yeah. that just yeah, that didn't happen. So. I feel that the Warriors need a voice, a definitive voice, and a powerful one. And I think Mike Brown was definitely that, uh, alongside a guy like her, who needs that guidance, who still needs that guidance. He showed, he proved it this year. So that's another thing on the plate for Mike Dunleavy. Um, and then obviously there are the players. You got Poole, you got Kuminga, you got Moody. I don't want to lump Moody in there because I like Moody. I think we both like Moody since his rookie year. But I, I, in terms of his willingness to fit in any way, right, play, willing to play whatever role is asked of him without complaining about the minutes and whatever. But we also know at this point that he's not happy, right? Like the kids don't like Steve Kerr just as much as Steve Kerr doesn't want to play them, right? So yeah. given these kind of misfits, uh, and that also goes for Rollins, who what is his role with the team? Nothing. He's going to have no role next year, right? That's a waste of roster space. So I just named four guys that Dunleavy has on his plate that needs to be gone, essentially. And then you have Dante, you have Jermichael Green, you have Lamb. These guys are pretty much going to be out of here, I, I believe, either way. Um, I don't know how you feel about that. Maybe you think they'll, they'll hold, maybe Dante will stay another year. I don't know. I don't think so. Um... He'll test the market. Um, he might get like three years, you know, 
24 million somewhere. Yeah, I wish him the best. I think he needs to go because you can't have GP in there and also have Dante in there. I think that's too small. I if, agree. If you, if I you, think you got to replace it with a wing. You need, yeah, you need a wing there. Yeah. Exactly. So you need to replace Dante with that wing. Um, and I, I, Lamb is just bad vibes, you know, with the fans. What it just it, there's too much drama there with that guy. Yeah. Uh, so he's he's an okay he's an okay um, two way piece. I would say, you know, in in a pinch in an emergency, he's a you know he has experience as a three year college vet. And it, the longer you stay in college, the more fundamentals you learn, the more you come into the NBA ready to contribute right away because you're defensively, you're sound, right? That's typically three, four year college uh, players. But again, so I like Ty Jerome, actually. If they get rid of um, Jordan Poole, I like Ty Jerome as a replacement backup point guard. I think he played a really good role for the Warriors when he was given that role. He shot 50-40-90 essentially, which is that's not easy to find, yeah. right? For that cheap. And great playmaking too. Right. Playmaking, just has good common sense. He's a perfect uh, Steve Kerr system kind of guy. And the funny thing about him is that he's really good in the pick and roll and he seems to use it copiously even though he's running the Steve Kerr system. It, it's kind of funny. I, I, you know, I noticed him using it more and he was very effective. So I kind of like him, but I just named like seven guys that need to be off the team. Four young guys and three vets, if you want to call it that, right? So that's a lot of bodies to move. And that's a lot of, you need to get creative in terms of the pieces that you're going to bring back. And then what are you going to fill it with, right? What type of players, even if it's a uh, vet minimum players, like one, $2 million players, um, you can kind of scour the league and find gems the way the heat do you know with a guy like um what's his name um Gabe uh, Vincent Struess and Patrick. yes Vincent and yeah. uh Struess, like those are really cheap guys that they found that are two-way players you know uh, like 3d types so if Dunleavy is super intense and super serious about filling the roster with really good pieces then uh you know we'll see what he can do but there are seven pieces that I just named that I think have to be moved, right? So that's a lot of moves to be made. So we're, we're going to find out. Absolutely. I think, um, like you said, the roster has its own issues. I think getting Steve and Lake up on the same page, kind of, um, I'm not sure where, where they stand at this point, but I know Bob Bob felt like he – one thing that stood out from the, from the press conference that Bob had um, – was he was saying multiple times, like, if I can't do my job to the best of my ability or how I know best to do it, then then I then I just can't do it. I just won't I'm just not gonna do my job if I can't do it. So Bob needs the right tools and the right um, empowerment behind him to be able to do what he wants. And with the conflict from coach to owner, like I think that really um was the the reason why Bob just ended up uh, deciding to, to part ways. I think that was one of the main reasons. And I think Dunleavy's job is, is going to be just to get, you know, at least some, some agreement, some, you know, some um, common ground between Kerr and Lakeup so that they can decide on, you know, what, 
what we're going to do uh, from a development standpoint. Because you still want a couple of young players on the team. Uh, not too many, but you don't want to just go completely veteran because then at that point uh, you have no fresh legs throughout the season. You want See, I would like Moody and PBJ to stay if they can, but if you're getting a Siakam and that's what it requires and, and you can get Caruso and Siakam, let's say, in like a three-team deal or whatever, then you're going to make that move. But if you can try to get real pieces and you end up keeping a PBJ or Moody throughout the year, maybe they can give you, you know, a combined 13, 14 points a night and contribute in just spots because they're not demanding, right? They don't they don't necessarily need the ball. They're role players. They embrace that. They embrace, you know, the, the dirty work, uh, just contributing w- where they can. They're not necessarily demanding of the basketball and and uh, things of that nature. They, they just they, – they embrace the role player mentality. So, um, you know, Kaminga, it's going to be tough because he definitely wants to carve out a role and – He's in line for like a lot of money, right? And so Steve is playing with with that as well. Um, and I know, you know, there's a difference between sixty million and a hundred million, which is a, a big difference. So they're gonna have to, you know, they're probably gonna decide quite soon um, as to what they're gonna do with him specifically. Forget sixty million. Steve Kerr has turned him turned Kuminga into like, you know, the value of a maybe like a fifteen to twenty million dollar player from a long-term yeah. contract standpoint, mm. right? So he is, he's ruining, he's ruining the value of the players. You know, that's essentially what he did with Kuminga by not playing him at all, which yep. basically meant he's an empty roster space and worthless. Yes. Um. So you know, that's bad. And that's, I think Kuminga, just like Wiseman, deserves an opportunity to at least show what he has, right? And obviously he's shown already shown the things that he can do from a uh, athletic standpoint, like you said, being able to finish around the rim, like just so easily comically easily uh, a special finisher around the rim has uh, definitely has really great POA potential. Um, and his offensive game, you know, obviously he's working on that. Right. But unfortunately for the warriors, like it's unless he's starting, that's not what they need from him. They just need him to be do the fundamental things, uh, play the power forward position, uh, be able to hold ground defensively, which means he has to consistently rebound, rebound not yeah. every once in a while here and there. But it's all messed up. You can't ask a guy to be out in the perimeter, play POA, and go get rebounds at the same time. It's a very nonsensical thing. You're out in the perimeter. How are you supposed to consistently rebound, right? Just doesn't make sense. So... You know, find find a team for him where he can actually grow, show starter potential. You know, you see all these highlights of him being able to do all these various things as a scorer. Well, if that's what he wants to be, uh, you know, he needs a different team uh, to focus on those things without feeling like he has to do all these other things that are meant for certain types of role players. Uh, although, you know, if you're a really good player, you should be doing that anyway. You should be rebounding and all these things anyway. Like, you know, Kuminga, that he needs to get that through his head. If he wants to be an actual relevant player in the league and uh, contend in the playoffs and beyond and all these things, you have to be fundamentally sound. There's no other way to put that, right? So I'm hoping that he he continues to develop those things. But his value, like what he wants for his future, it just doesn't work with the Warriors. He's never going to start for the Warriors unless something happens to Wiggins. 
Wiggins has three more years left on his contract. Is Kuminga going to continue to come off the bench and play 15, 20 minutes per game? Like, is that what he wants for his career? I don't think so, right? Yeah. So Warriors fans don't want to move him just because they love the potential. Oh, he's going to be the next Kawhi and all this kind of stuff, right? But you're dreaming. How is he going to be the next Kawhi on the Warriors? He's not, right? It literally impossible. You're coming off the bench and playing a limited role. You're not going to be Kawhi. What are you talking about? Be real. Uh, maybe on a different team, he has the potential to be something, but not with the Warriors. So make it right. Make it right for both parties. Help the Warriors uh, with viable pieces and let JK grow and uh, grow his brand, his ability to make money, uh, his ability to set himself for the rest of his life without his reputation and all these things getting compromised on a championship caliber team. Let me ask you this. Um, I want to move on to more specifics, right? So we kind of understand like the mentality of the team, uh, you know, obviously breaking down like what necessarily has to happen and change in terms of direction. But what do you, from a, um, from a, you know, more specific tangible standpoint, would you expect the Warriors to do in terms of a name or in terms of an archetype of player to that we're going to go after? Um, I can tell you this, based on what I've been reading, hearing, uh, just what's been floated around, my best, uh, I would guess that draft night, a move is going to be, is going to be made. I would, I would put money on that. Why would I put money on that? Because from a logistic standpoint, if you look at the, the way things are structured, right? We have our pick. We have the 19th pick. And other teams that are going to be involved are going to want are going to have other picks involved throughout the draft. Woj apparently said that he's going to cover. Um, he's not going to cover the draft picks this year. He's going to cover trades, and he's going to cover uh, like fit and team and you know based on the trades and and how other players uh, fit based on you know the movement that happens around the league. So when you think about that stuff, and then when you think about the fact that any trade partner that we have requires us to know who they want for that pick. So if it's the 19th pick, well, we can't make it after the draft. If they want, let's say we trade Kaminga in 19 for a higher pick, well, we can't pick that player after the draft. Um, that 19th pick is not going to be used. It's just not. Not for us. It's going to be used to get to gain an asset. Now, in what form that asset comes in, whether it's packaging it with players or, you know, trading up to package for another player. Whatever that looks like, that 19th pick is going to be manipulated in some sort of way to essentially uh, get better with the roster overall. So with that being said, I, that's why I, I highly expect on draft night for a move or two to be made.